From our WFUV studios in the Bronx, New York, it's the Pick and Pot. Drop us a voicemail at 347-903-WFUV. Now, here are your hosts, Kenny Ducey and Matt Rosenfeld. Can you feel it? Can you can you feel it? Phil Jackson coming to New York? That's about the best news the Knicks have gotten in a long time, isn't it? Pick and pod on March 12th, 2014. Kenny Ducey, Matt Rosenfeld. That's Kevin Kelly. The hair is very beautiful, as always. Today. Hey, hey. The flow. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We're all dressing for the warm weather, too. It was supposed to, like, snow today in New York, and it didn't. It's it's still fairly warm though. Tonight it's going to get really cold though. Like yeah, really I'm not cold. excited for that. T- yesterday I was out in the short sleeve shirt for the first time, and it, then now I'm going back right back to it. So it's a tease, but we'll get over it. Ryan Rucco, a former WFUV guy, one is of our here. favorites. Also, uh, one of the voices of the Nets on the Yes Network. Also, a voice of the NBA on ESPN. He's got that show with Stephen A. Smith, one to three weekdays on ESPN New York, ninety-eight point seven FM. So. We'll talk to him about the Nets, the Phil Jackson situation. But first, this Phil Jackson situation is the juiciest of just situations, Even I guess. Even when the Nets are playing better, the Knicks steal the headlines. Phil, oh, ja- of course. Phil Jackson is a huge get for the Knicks. I don't know how much he's going to do right away, but that's a huge get for the Knicks. Absolutely is. Just the thought of someone other than James Dolan making decisions with the New York Knicks. Just someone who... <laughs> Someone joked That's on what's important. Someone joked on Twitter, it's like, Hey Phil, should we trade for Gerald Wallace? No. Thirteen million dollars earned. Like I, that's all he has to do is just say, you know what? Nah, we're not trading for Chris Humphreys. Like, okay, there you go. Thank you, Phil. That's the thing, if he's actually allowed to have a big part in running this team, then I I think they'll be in much better shape for years to come. Well that's what it, the it, contract but, looks like. It looks like it and it looks like there I don't know if this is still in there, but it was possible he could come in and coach for next year. I don't know if that would ever happen. Uh, well, I, I heard think rumors he of that. He wants anymore. the Steve Kerr. Yeah, he to just happen. wants the. Yeah. I want the Steve Kerr to happen. I want. I. I heard. Uh, That'd be great. I think I heard Bill Simmons say that on on air on some radio show last week, and I thought it was the best idea I'd heard in such a long time. Can you imagine if the Knicks made a progressive move, two progressive moves, one with Phil Jackson, one with Steve Kerr becoming the head coach? They'd be the new. They'd be the talk of the town if they'd made two moves like that and James Dolan finally seceded a little power. Oh, I, the possibilities. They're that's, endless. But that's weird, though, because Carmelo likes Mike Woodson. And you've kept Mike Woodson for this long. You've kept him with Tim Hardaway Jr. and J.R. Smith. And now all of a sudden, and again, look, I'm not the guy who's saying keep Mike Woodson. I've been advocating like for his firing all year. But it is kind of weird, especially if you're trying to cater to – Carmelo Anthony, if you're trying to say, look, this is your guy, we're going to keep him here for you because you like Mike Woodson, and then, you know, God forbid you just get rid of him like that. All right, well, let's lay it out. Are you going to be able to keep well, Carmelo? Well, like, is this enough to keep let's Carmelo lay it out. right now? Let's lay it out. The real smart move, the the head and shoulders smart move is to say, you know, Carmelo Anthony, we're moving forward. You you could come with us. We'd love to have you. But if you're not down with the plan we have, then go ahead, go walk, because we need to make moves that are going to get us back to the playoffs back into serious contention. Now, are they going to make that move? No, they're going to try. They're going to let Carmelo run their run their team essentially and probably stick with Mike Woodson longer than they should. But the right move is to say we need a coach that can get us further than Mike Woodson's second round six game loss. And Phil Jackson's the first step and Steve Kerr might not be the next step, but a guy like him is. And if Carmelo's not going to let that happen, then I say bye-bye Carmelo. 
Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I absolutely agree that they really shouldn't plan this all around Carmelo because he might even go to the Bulls. That rumor came out that he had talked to Joe Kim Noah about it, and he was what it started with him asking what it was like playing for Tibbs because it was possible that Tibbs could come to the Knicks, but it ended in Noah recruiting him to go to the Bulls, and that'd be an interesting fit for him. Oh, I agree. Would be. I think that Carmelo Anthony um, has a great shot of leaving New York. I, I Look, I still have a gut feeling that says he stays here, but, I mean, obviously there's nothing about the New York Knicks that have shown Carmelo Anthony that they're committed to winning right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's funny because I'm with you. I have this gut feeling he's going to stay too, but like, I don't know why. You if know? you were to go pros cons on a legal pad, I think he cares about the money over the wins. Pros cons on a legal pad, pro is money, and that's all you can really write down for the Knicks. I mean, and of course, you know, that's where he grew up. This is where he wanted to come oh. in the first place. Yeah, I think that's a, I. That's true, but I think it's worn off a little bit. Um, more about the Knicks. Where in the world is Kenyon Martin? Like he's just been hurt forever. Well, that's what happens when older players get hurt. I, I, they, is they he gonna hurt. have to retire? I don't know if that's in his plans, but it's a possibility at his age. He's going to keep getting them checks. Amari Stod- yeah, Jalen Rostow. Yeah. Amari Stoudemire, <laughs> speaking of injured power forwards that are now healthy, but actually injured again because Amari's going to sit tonight due to recovery. That's what the Knicks are calling it, just recovery. So, I, I mean, I don't, he's t- I don't know what it is, but he's been phenomenal. Against his the Sixers. On-offs, no, his on-offs have been phenomenal. Not not just against the Sixers. <laughs> I, I did tweet out that in two games against the Sixers this year, I think he's 17 for 20. With thirty-eight, with forty-eight, yeah, 48 points game. or something That's like that. So stat thirty-eight yeah. points. Like it, it's he, he's been amazing against the Sixers this year, which you have to be. But hey, not everyone has been amazing against the Sixers on the Knicks this year. We talked about last show that the Knicks have a very easy schedule ahead of them. Now it's Boston tonight. I think this is a team that can make a run at the playoffs. I think the Knicks will make the seven seed and they'll lose to Indiana in the first. I think Miami will take that one. I think they'll lose to Indiana. I think, honestly, I think if the Knicks play Indiana in the first round, if they get into the playoffs and play Miami in the first round, I think that it's going to be a competitive series. You said seven seed? I think they can get up to the eight because Atlanta is dropping. They're only two games they back in the win column. Schedule. I can't believe we're talking about them again in playoff contention. Right. After so we'd written Five and a half games just behind back the seven and seed Bobcats, and there's only about... 17 games left for the Knicks. I'm sorry, the Bobcats aren't going anywhere. They're I not really think going they're going to stay in that seven spot. I'm trying yeah, to say. Oh yeah, they have no, a great I, defense. I, I agree like with them you. A lot. You know, they'll, they'll, they're good enough to just stay where they are. The Hawks and Pistons. I fully believe the Knicks can pass, but I don't know that they will. And it's a, it's, it's not a lot of games, but three and a half in, you know, two and a half weeks, four weeks. Well, it's two games separating Charlotte and Atlanta. I mean, it's gettable. It's, it's they're five and a half back of Charlotte right now. It's gettable, but it's not going to be done. And Cleveland's still in contention too. I could almost see them making it over. I, the I stand by my this, what I said. The I think the first podcast or second podcast, the Knicks aren't making the playoffs. They're not. Even if they, I'm saying though, even if they play Miami in the first round, I think that's a competitive series. Like it if could it's, be. If it's if, if that's the one eight, like if by some miracle the Miami Heat uh, happen to actually care before the playoffs and and take the one seed, like I think I think that could actually because. That was the series, if you remember last year, that's what the Knicks wanted. They didn't want to play at Pacers. They wanted to play the oh, Heat. Yeah, they beat the Heat three out of four times. Yeah, it's a completely different dynamic and when it's those like two they're, teams play they're, each other. They're kind, of, they're kind of just as old. Right? They're built I, like the, the, the team that needs to beat the Heat is built. You know, They don't really have a big inside presence, and neither do well, the just Heat. Just threes. Yeah. I mean, if they hit a bunch of threes, they win. Exactly, and it's it's a game that they can't. Like, when you face the Heat, if you're the Knicks, 
you go in there thinking like there's no advantage they have besides LeBron James, but he's going to get his no matter what. There's no advantage that they hold over us that's going to just hold us under the water and drown us until we can't win. If we hit our threes, we're going to be in this game, and we can steal maybe the se- – not the series, but maybe a few games. <laughs> don't, get, don't get ahead of yourself there. But, I, look, it's a very easy road for the Knicks. It's weird that we're talking about them maybe making the playoffs, but we have to. We have to talk about them at this point. They're just three and a half out. You know who's yeah. going to make the playoffs, though? Brooklyn. Let's, let, yeah, let's get our Nets fix from the number six seed currently in the East. Now we welcome in Ryan Rucco, a WFUV alum, voice of the Nets on uh, Yes, and also a voice of the NBA on ESPN. He also has a weekday show with Stephen A. Smith, 1-3 to three, on ESPN New York, 98.7 FM. Really just all over the place. And Ryan, how you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. It's a busy time, no doubt. Yeah, and your Nets are doing very, very well. How about them? Paul Pierce has looked uh, really good over the last couple months. Yeah, he has. He, he's been you know, instrumental in their turnaround. Uh, you know, since he's been playing the four, he's had a lot of success offensively and even defensively. The Nets, by going to that lineup, it allows them to – just be more athletic defensively to switch more easily rather than having the two bigs on the floor when they had Brooke Lopez and Kevin Garnett. You know, neither of them could really, you know, switch up on different defenders, different, you know, offensive players the way that you can when you have a Kirilenko at the four or, you know, uh, a Garnett at the five switching onto a four rather than switching onto a three. So just everything for them defensively got a lot easier, a lot more flexible uh, once they moved Paul Pierce to that starting power forward position and uh, brought Sean Livingston in the starting lineup with Aaron. And Pierce also, he's taken on more of a leadership role, I think, since January 1st. He has been huge. And what I like is the other night in that win against Toronto, which was their biggest win of the season thus far, Pierce really was his emotional self and engaged with the crowd and, you know, energized by it. And I think that's exactly what you want, especially when you – start to think about potential postseason basketball coming. Ryan, seeing Pierce and Kevin Garnett, they're playing like their old ways, and they've been a big part of the turnaround for the Nets. So I guess my question to you is, who should we, I guess, thank for the turnaround more, Pierce and Garnett or Jason Kidd? Because I think Kidd gets a gets a little, not thrown under the bus, but doesn't get the credit he really deserves in the Nets turnaround. Well, I would say Jason Kidd because he's the one who has them playing defense like he did. You know, they are just, they've become incredibly efficient at picking the pocket of the opponent. They are creating steals at a ridiculous rate. Uh, They've been on really a historic run of late. And, I mean, they had just had a game, a six-game streak snap where they had forced more turnovers than given up assists. So their opponents had more turnovers than assists in six straight games, which was the longest streak of its time in a very long time longest in franchise history and you know they haven't played defense this well since Jason Kidd was a part of the Nets so I give him credit for that and he's the one who decided to insert Sean Livingston into the starting lineup his length has been instrumental in the way they defend you know he is the one who decided to make that switch and let Paul play the four and, and KG at the five so I would give him a little more credit because I think you know his moves have worked not to mention you know, he got a veteran team that could have been a bunch of fat cats just collecting their check, 
to pick it back up after they were 10 and 21, which isn't easy to do for any coach, never mind a first-year one. Now, Ryan, you look at some of the new additions to this club, and Jason Collins obviously got a lot of press, and Marcus Thornton maybe the most important at shooting guard, a guy who can score the basketball. What do you like out of those two, with what they bring to the Nets that maybe can change the way that they play basketball and push them towards uh, maybe even a four seed in the East? Well, you know, for Collins, what I like is what you saw the other night against the Kings, where when Mason Plumley and Andre Blatt were having an incredibly difficult time defending Marcus Cousins in the post. Jason Collins actually gave them uh, some quality minutes against Cousins. And, you know, not to say that over the course of a game, Jason Collins is going to be able to stop Marcus Cousins because he's not, but he did a much better job against him than those other guys were doing and sort of steadied the tide. I think that that's the kind of thing he can do from time to time. If you get a bigger body in there where you just need someone to be a good, smart post defender who understands angles and positioning. He can do that for you. And Marcus Thornton is a huge upgrade over Jason Terry, like an immense upgrade over Jason Terry. Uh, and, and Terry, that was what I thought, even if they were playing well, that was probably the biggest problem with their club was having Terry in the rotation still, having to have him control the ball all the time. You know, Marcus Thornton is going to get on this team open shots and, you know, he can knock them down. He's the kind of guy who, if you like coming off the bench, because at any moment he could explode for, you know, 25 points. And when you talk about him and how he fits into them potentially having a better seating, you know, those are the kind of guys who win you a game or two. And, you know, I think he's already been instrumental in a few wins for them. Three 20-plus point performances in his eight games thus far. He had three in his 46 games with the Kings. So I think you're already seeing how you know, like a guy like that who can go off at any minute, you never know when it's going to be the game where if he didn't, you would have lost. And those are valuable guys to have. As long as they're not in roles where you rely on them, which he's not, he's just in a role where you roll the dice with him and hope you get the good Marcus Thornton on a given night. So far, they've gotten more good than bad. All right, wrapping up with the Nets because, you know, Kenny wants to talk about the Knicks like always. Uh, and that seem they seemingly have the defense down. They got the veteran leadership from Pierce and Garnett and Darren Williams. You know they got the new piece off the bench to score. So, do we think this team has enough to compete with an Indiana or a Miami? And, and by compete, I mean you know go six or seven with them in a series. Yeah, definitely. I think I think they could definitely take those teams to a six game, no doubt. And you know I, I'd say. Let's see how they're playing because at that moment, you know, if the Nets continue to play better and better, they'll have those veterans on the team who have been through battles before in the postseason. And uh, this group also, a lot of them were in the postseason last year going through it together for the first time. So, I mean, I think, look, I also think they could lose a first-round series to Chicago or Toronto or even Washington. But I definitely think of all the teams in the East, outside of Miami and Indiana. They are the ones with the highest ceiling. And I think that you could see them, you know, really make it an interesting series against Miami or Indiana, you know, with Indiana, because I still think the Nets, as good as the Pacers' defense is, I think the Nets have a easier time scoring, have more offensive options in the half court than Indiana is. And with Miami, I think it's because – you know, Miami doesn't really exploit 
where the Nets are weak right now, which is on the glass. That's what I worry about with Indiana. But Miami is, you know, just as poor in rebounding as the Nets are. Nets actually have outboarded them by an average of 10 rebounds a game in their two wins against Miami this year. So, I, I mean, I don't think many people are going to pick the Nets or anybody would pick the Nets to win those series, but I certainly think they'd be competitive. All right, Ryan, let's move it along to the big story of the day, Phil Jackson and the New York Knicks. Now, you've heard a lot. We've heard a lot of opinions about Phil Jackson, most of them coming from the man you sit next to every day with Stephen A. Um, you know, you're, you're clearly talking about him a lot. I, I want to know, though, you know, from the uh, kind of the impression you get of him and the impression you get of James Dolan, uh, do you foresee any sort of problem, any sort of clashing of the heads with him and Dolan just in terms of the type of power that Phil Jackson's been given right now? Like, do you think that Dolan's going to try to, you know, uh, overstep his bounds and override some of the decisions that Phil Jackson makes with the New York Knicks? Because, you know, obviously, reportedly, he is coming along as a uh, well, president of basketball operations. Here's the thing. Like, I, you know, when you're the owner, you always have final say. You know, it's your team. It's your huge, enormous investment. So even if you have full control of basketball operations, there's always a chance that at a given moment the owner says, you know what, no, this is something I really want, and they go do it. And James Dolan has been known to do that in the past. So do I think initially he's going to put that trust in Phil? Yeah, I do, especially since he could be paying him, you know, according to the Daily News today, it could be around $15 million a year. And I don't think he's going to harness Phil when it comes to talking to the media or anything like that. But when it comes to actual decision-making, do I think the moment could come where James Dolan steps in? Of course. I mean, he has a history of doing this. So initially, I'm sure there'll be a honeymoon period. But at some point, you know, people tend to revert back to what they are. So you would think at some point there could be a, a, a clash there. It just may not come right away. Well, Ryan, uh, Carmelo said that Phil Jackson wasn't going to affect his free agency. We don't really know what he's thinking, what Lala's thinking at any given point. So I guess in your opinion, do you think adding Phil Jackson is going to be the deciding factor in bringing Melo back, or was Melo coming back anyway? You know, where's Melo's free agency? How's it going to be affected, do you think, with Phil Jackson? Well, I mean, he says it's not going to play a big role on his decision, which, you know, I think is interesting and, you know, probably not a good look for Melo because I think it should play a role. You have somebody who can bring stability and credibility to the organization and Phil, even if this is a role he's never had before. But, you know, when it comes down to it, no matter what, Melo will be sacrificing another year of his prime where he doesn't have to win a, he doesn't have a chance to win a championship if he signs on with the Knicks or stays with the Knicks, and that's next year. You know, that's, it's not easy for people to just give away years of their career, especially when there's such a finite amount of time, never mind those years being in their prime. So I think it's going to be really hard to sell Carmelo Anthony on staying if you don't sell him on a way to compete next year. I don't know how the Knicks do compete next year. So, you know, I think Phil, you know, maybe when he gets in that room, if, if he really wants to even keep Melo, which, you know, there's no guarantee that that's the case. But if he does, I think he probably will have some kind of impact just because of his presence and what he can, you know, lay out and explain to Carmelo Anthony with the cachet and profitas that he has. But, you know, I think there's a really good chance that Carmelo Anthony leaves, a really good chance. And I couldn't blame him if he really cares about winning. Because if that's what it's all about, if he right now is like, look, winning is much more of a priority than it ever was before. I've made my money. I'm still going to make great money, you know, then I don't know how he stays here knowing that 
they have no chance of winning next year, and then they have to hit a home run in order to win the year after or the year after that. They'd have to really strike gold in free agency in 2015. Yeah, I really agree with you. I don't know what they've really done to prove to him that this is a, an organization committed to winning. Uh, I want to move it along now to the rest of the East here. Joakim Noah has been really a force uh, in the East, one of the pr- probably the best big man, I would say, over the past two months, maybe, you know, of the season so far in the East. Um, what can you tell us from a prior experience? Because I believe maybe on one of your social medias there, you posted that you once played him in high school uh, or, or back in the day. Uh, what kind of guy is this? And uh, do you think that he is going to lead the Bulls maybe to a first-round upset potentially or a second-round upset of a big opponent? You know, I, I love Joakim Noah. I think he is the spirit of that team. I think he is, uh, John Barry calls him, you know, the best competitor in the NBA, and I think he very well may be. He's very much like his head coach, Tom Thibodeau. I was with Joakim Noah last week uh, calling Bulls Grizzlies and got to talk to him for a while, and he described Tom Thibodeau as it's always game seven. You know, it's game seven uh, when he calls you at night. It's game seven in practice. It's game seven in the film, and Joakim Noah is very much the same way. You know, every single game is so important to him, every single practice. This is just the kind of guy you want leading your team because everybody falls in line then behind him. And I think that he legitimately should get MVP consideration this year considering what Chicago's been through and how he's played like only a couple other centers ever have when it comes to his complete game. You know, he could be uh, joining Kareem and Bill Walton and – uh, Bill Russell and Wilt as the only guys to average 12 points, 11 boards, and five assists uh, as the center. So, I mean, that's pretty remarkable in itself. And I just feel like he is exactly what a coach would want as their star player because everybody's going to fall in line when you have somebody who works his tail off the way that Noah does. As far as the Bulls go, I think the problem with the Bulls in the postseason is we always see them at their best in the regular season. You know, that is part of the you know, charm and the real grit of Tom Thibodeau and Joaquin Noah is, you know, they play all out every single regular season game. They don't have another year to go to like other NBA teams do. So because of that, I think that there's not a great chance that they'll go far in the postseason because I think we already see them at their best. I don't think they have that other switch to get to, and I don't think they have enough offense in the half court to slow down postseason games score when they really need a bucket against a good defensive team like Indiana or like Miami. So I think at the end of the day, they could definitely win a first-round series, but I would be shocked if they won a second-round series. I I pretty much agree with that. One more question. You know, I want to move over to the West. You got your known commodities with your Thunder and your Spurs, but I think think my favorite team, almost Dark Horse team, is is the Rockets. You know, James Harden's been playing out of his mind. You got Dwight Howard, great role players over there. So do we think that the Rockets, are they good enough to overtake maybe a playoff Spurs team or the Thunder? Because they lost to the Thunder last night, but I think they have what it takes to maybe take over the Western Conference. What do you think, Ryan? I don't. Uh, I I think they have great talent, um, no doubt. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, James Harden's defense is so suspect. I know Patrick Beverly has become a great on-ball defender. But uh, and Dwight's a great defender, obviously. But and they're incredibly talented, incredibly talented. But I think at the end of the day, you know, honestly, if you get me in a seven-game series against the Greg Popovich, I think the Spurs have the significant edge when it comes to the head coach. And I just don't think 
the Rockets will be able to push over the edge there. Not that Kevin McHale you know, hasn't done a nice job with Houston, but I just think that that might be an area where they fall short uh, come playoff time in a seven-game series. Awesome stuff, as always, from Ryan Rucco, the voice of the Nets on Yes, also a voice of the NBA on ESPN. You can catch him weekdays 1-3 to on ESPN New York 98.7 FM with Stephen A. Smith, and he just, I mean, he's just everywhere, and he's a WFUV alum. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on today. really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Ryan is awesome. That was a great, that was a great interview. Yeah, great. He's always good. You know, we love WFUV guys here at WFUV, and to have a Nets guest is always a fun time for me. I know you love you just smile every time we talk about the Nets. Well, because it's just so it's just so. I mean, we they're, they're better, better than they're the better, they're yes. better than the Knicks. I mean, obviously the Knicks deserve all the press they get, and they are way more popular. But it's just like, oh, here's this better team that we all, as New York media, choose to avoid until we right. have to talk about. They them. also have better food in the press room, but that's besides the and point. a better, <laughs> just a better. Uh, I actually was going to say better arena, but I, I kind of held my tongue there real quick. I think we said this two shows ago. Their bench is really good. Oh, absolutely. Their second unit, especially now with Marcus Thornton, who scores the ball better than I imagine. And the more I watch him, the more I'm like, they fleeced the Kings. It is a joke that yeah. they gave away Reggie Evans and Jason Terry for Marcus Thornton. And when you put him, come out with Mirza, who's struggling, unfortunately, but... Andre Blotch, who we all love, you know, Point Blotch, Trey Live, all our all our favorite nicknames. And they, they can put together a solid unit that can maintain with the best in the league. And it's going to help them in the playoffs. Yeah, Thornton's doing exactly what I thought he would do. I really, all, all along, I thought he just needed to get out of Sacramento. He's in a tough situation there with Ben McLemore as well. But the funny thing about the Nets that I have to slip in is they're the only team above 500 with a negative net rating. Yeah, their their point differential is negative it's too. It's yeah. ridiculous. Well, <laughs> I know. I think a lot of that has to do with earlier in the year. They they were not even quote unquote. They were just bad to the start of the year. And each month as they've gone on, the defensive rating has gotten better and better and better. And I think that has a lot to do with one their lineup, like like uh, Ryan said, and two, they're just uh, the. I mean, they they. <laughs> They care more, you know. They they have this swagger about them. They know that they're a good team. They know they're gonna rise up this East, and it really shows in their play. Because back in October and November, it was just like a really lackadaisical atmosphere around there, and now it's there's energy. And, and you know they're gonna bring it tonight too against the Heat again because they're two and zero against the Heat this year. I don't think they win that game. But you I don't think, think it's gonna be good? Really? It will be a good well, game. We'll get to I'm our with, picks later. I'm with, but I'm with we, we gotta, we gotta get either. to them soon here. Because we're gonna get booted out of the studio, but um, I want to talk about James Harden for a second. And now I look at his player page on NBA Media Stats; it's still him in a Thunder jersey with the headband on, which is really funny to me. Over his last five games, uh, he has uh, he has shot fifty one percent and has averaged thirty points per game. That is unheard of, man. Like he is unbelievable. Forty five percent from deep. You know, if the Thunder still had him, they'd be a shoe in for the title this year, right? And they could easily. Still have him. Yeah. Well, they got into a fight last night. Pe- Beverly and Westbrook did. Well, you know, that dates back to Pe- Beverly was the, you know, he was the one that took out Westbrook, took out yeah. Westbrook last year in the playoffs. And I can imagine there's a lot of animosity there. Yeah. And, um, you know, it. I, I, I have to say, Kevin Durant with the shove on Chandler Parsons last night, you saw that. Yeah, I pointed that out was to awesome. you. You got the tweet out. And, yeah, it was really yeah. funny seeing yeah. him, like, 
Chandler Parsons of all people is who you shove. He's just walking towards the the scrum, and you I just like give Chandler him a, Parsons. a left. Not, I do too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> exactly. Side note: Little B hates Kevin Durant. Um, all right, let's wrap up here because people want to get in here. Um, the ma- let's do picks. The Magic one and a half point underdogs to the Nuggets. Or uh, I'm gonna take the Nuggets. Maverick, Mavericks. I'm taking no, 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 Magic. It's, it's the Magic. Oh, the Magic. My yeah. apologies. <laughs> then I'm taking the Nuggets. I'm okay. taking the Magic. I'll be the only one. Toronto nine and a half point favorites against the Pistons. I'm taking Pistons. Who's home? Who's home? Uh, I'm gonna say Toronto's home. I'm gonna take Toronto. Toronto. I'm gonna take Toronto. They're gonna. They need these. This King, one. King Sixers. Sixers are giving nine and a half points to the Kings. I'm gonna say six. Uh, I'm gonna say this is one the of the Sixers games are the favored Sixers by cover. nine and a half. No, they're points. giving. Or they're, they're getting. They're getting. Nine sorry, they're getting. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna take the Sixers. They'll cover. I'm, I'm oh take God, the Kings! Absolutely, Kings. Okay, Bobcats at Wizards. Uh, five point favorites are the Wizards. Bobcats to me. I'm taking the Bobcats. Wizards, five points isn't that much. I'm going to take the Bobcats. The Bobcats are fighting right now. They're fighting. The Wizards are higher in the seeding. Nets at Heat. Heat are nine-point favorites. Sorry, Nets. Heat. Nets. Nets will cover. They won't win the game. Yeah, Nets will cover. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Knicks at Celtics. The, the Knicks are getting four points here. I think the Celtics might actually pull this. I'm going to pick the Knicks. Knicks. Give Knicks. me the Knicks. I'm going to take the Knicks. They've been different well. on a lot of them. No, huh? no I, I know I know that. I, I agree. With, I think the Celtics one's a good one. Um, Grizzlies at Pelicans, 8 o'clock tonight. Uh, New Orleans gets four points from the Grizzlies. I'm going Grizz. Grizz, too. Grizzlies. Pelicans are the tanking Pel- hard yeah, right now. They have to tank. Pelicans they need are that tanking pick. hard. Mavs at Jazz. Um, the Jazz are giving five, are getting five from the Mavs. Mavs. Okay. And then um, I, I also I got, I got Mavs. You got Mavs? I got Jazz. Jazz, okay. Blazers, Spurs, Spurs are seven and a half point favorites. I'll take the Blazers to cover. Blazers. Blazers. Spurs. Uh, Cavs, Suns, uh, eight and a half point uh, underdogs are the Cavaliers. I'll take the Suns there. Suns, I'll take the cover. And finally, Warriors, Clippers. The Clippers are six and a half point favorites. I got the Warriors to cover. I got Clips. Clippers, the Warriors played last night, no chance. All right, we got to get out of here. It's at WFEV Sports on Twitter. The Pickin' Pod comes back next Wednesday, maybe, maybe, the, thir- the 19th of March. Thanks again to Ryan Rucco, our guest. We'll see you later.